it's our final episodes week. We'll give you some tips and talk about some of the strategies to implement in the final two weeks of the season. We'll also give you our waiver wire picks, and Ruvain will have his injury report too with some actionable advice. Our final regular season episode of Beat the Shift this season is coming up next. And welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast, presented by Fangraphs. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruven Guy. How are you, Ruven? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Pretty good. I just finished up my softball season at night. We were 7-1, and 7-1 and one in the Sunday League, and I tabulated that regular season since May 24th, my teams went 22-2. and two pretty good we we did win a semifinal and lose a championship in each so 24 and 4 that's not that's not bad for for all games played in leagues over a couple months so you're saying you're this 20, 2001 seattle mariners where you win a whole bunch of games but have nothing to show for it <laughs> thanks thanks well no let, let, let's see i got playoffs coming up so uh well, so we'll listen, see my my softball team got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs so there's that so uh, yeah. i'm sorry man i'm sorry man all right well hopefully we'll uh put something on the uh on the mantle this year but uh no guests this week uh we're gonna do a shorter show uh this will probably be our last regular season show we will of course have a wrap-up for the season uh, shortly after, but uh, this will be our last regular season show. Uh, and we're going to call it the last week's episode. So we're going to talk a little bit about, a little strategy about what to do in the last couple of weeks specifically, as you might get down to one or two weeks left. We'll do our waiver wire, pitcher preview, and injury report. So uh, let's just start with our strategy tonight. And, you know, when you're coming down to the stretch in a roto league, you have the option or you have the ability to gain points in this standing, but there's also the possibility of losing points. Uh, and I guess we can call that defending your points. Question is, is there a difference in the standing with gaining, with going attacking the gaining versus making sure you defend the ones that you have that might be tight? What do you think? Well, I'm going to be Captain Obvious here that it depends on how much you gain and how much you lose. Um, if you're in danger of losing more points, you should really try to protect those points as much as you can because even if you gain in one area, you may start losing in another. So it, it, specifically, if let's say you want to try to gain in wins and strikeouts, so you're throwing all these two-star pitchers and all the pitchers are getting all the starts, you may gain some wins and strikeouts, but you may be hurting yourself in ERA, you may be hurting yourself in whip, and you may even lose some points and saves if you're not playing all your closers, if you have any closers out there. So you really have to see what's the best for you and see who you have to pass to get these points you're going to gain and who's going to pass you on the points you're going to lose. I think that's the key. Yeah, so, you know, again, we talk about it before, but it's, and, and I guess it should be obvious, but you know, you do have to look not just at the points where you can gain, that, you know, losing points is, is an issue. And when you have to fortify which statistic you want to throw more on, you do have to take a look at the ones that you are 
possibly going to lose a couple. It's about marginal points, right? It's, it's hey, you know, even though I might be down in a category and I might be towards the bottom, but if it's going to take a lot to really gain in that category, you don't have a, you have a very large marginal. That's not the category that you want to fortify, even if you're down in points. It's the ones that you're very close to gaining and the ones that you are close to giving up. Um, I think the difference it really is is how short a term you're looking here. If you're talking about over the final month of the season, there's not much of a difference in terms of fortifying, fortifying and defending versus gaining. But in the last week, it really depends on whether you actually need the points or not. If you're in first place and it's about holding the lead, you don't need to gain, you're going to concentrate more in the defending. Right. If you're in third place and you're trying to make a jump to first, well, then you're going to concentrate more in the gaining if that's how you want to play it to try to win. Right. It, so it really depends on your standing very, very much. Now that that more is about counting stats, but Ruvain, what about ratios? Um, you know, because ratios, especially the pitching. Let's talk about pitching for a second. The ERA and WHIP can really come back to you. We had we had Spencer Strider pitching the other day. Uh, and he had, he bombed out, and we dropped two whip points uh, in the NFBC league that we're trying to uh, hold second place, and we've actually got knocked out of second. I mean, obviously you're not going to sit Spencer Strider, but what do you do in that situation in general in terms of attacking the ratios where you know you could drop really quickly or somebody could drop into you? Well, I think what you got to do is you got to start the right players now. That's easier said than done. Um, you can't just pick anyone off the waiver wire and throw them in there and hope they're going to pitch five innings and pitch one one run ball. And it, it's, it's, it doesn't always happen. A lot of times, if you're getting someone off the waiver wire and you want to throw someone in there, you're going to get maybe five innings, maybe five and two thirds innings, and they're probably going to give up four runs or so. If your team can handle that, then you can do that. But otherwise, you're maybe better off just throwing middle relievers and having the relievers, you know, boost your ERA and whip a little bit so that you can do that. I mean, you should have done that before. You should have had some. You should been able to bank some ERA and whip points in order to be able to do this late in the season because this is the time that I've seen to do it. But you also have to see how your team is trending. Like, let's say your team is trending in the wrong direction in ERA and whip. If they're trending in the wrong direction, and let's say hypothetically you have a pitcher like Sandy Alcantara, who's now out, what are you going to do? You're going to put in a pitcher off the waiver wire and have your ERA and whip suffer even more? Or are you going to but in a middle reliever, maybe vulture some wins like that and do something like that. So ERA and whip are actually in the last month of the season are very volatile and you can gain points quick and lose points quick just because people are throwing these starters that they wouldn't be throwing earlier in the year. How much are you paying attention to the number of starters versus relievers that 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 other teams are doing? You know, so the, the the teams that are right in front of you, right behind you, you know, it's a balance, of course, of ERA versus wins and strikeouts. How much are you looking at the other teams in terms of the number of starters versus relievers that, that they are throwing? I don't think I look at it that much. I'm looking at mine. I'm looking at how many wins or wins are, are are helping and strikeouts that I can get because wins are a crapshoot. You never know when you're going to get them. You never know your tier pitcher may go six innings, give up one run, and the bullpen can blow it. So you can't really bank wins. There's no way you can do that. And looking at other teams, yes, starts, can you can see maybe you get an idea of how many strikeouts another team will get. So you may you know be able to know, engage whether you can gain or lose on strikeouts. But I think you should really just concentrate on yourself and, 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 and make sure you start the quote-unquote right guys and don't 
overthink it also because sometimes you can overthink and say you know what i don't like this two star i don't think spencer strider has a good I'm using spencer strider again i don't think he has a good two start uh a week coming up and hypothetically and he didn't have a good start last time so overthink again don't start him that's you know there's a trap when you can fall into that don't overthink yourself you should go with what you've been doing the whole season and just trust the method I mean, Strider's at the top, but, you know, for marginal starters, I think it is a question of whether you throw an extra reliever or, or uh, a starter uh, in the end. I mean, you, you do have to look at the balance between where you are in marginal points and strikeouts wins versus the ERA and whip. Um, and, you know, it, it might lead you to say, oh, you know, we've got some ERA to give, so, yeah, fortify the wins or stuff. Or uh, there's no way we can gain any more points in strikeouts. Make sure your whip and ERA are intact. Uh, that's important. If you are close, right, and it's hard to tell which to go, I think it does behoove you to take a look at what the other guys who are surrounding you in ratios or in the counting stats are doing. Oh, are they throwing more relievers? You know, that means that their ERA is not going to move as much. That might give you a clue. So what, if it's not close, you have to look at your categories first. If it's not close, then you don't, no need to look at other teams. But if it is close... That little bit of information could tell you whether to throw the sixth or seventh starter or not. I think it is worth taking a look. And I also think it's going to affect how you how you attack Fab because let's say Adam Wainwright's on the on the waiver wire. Let's say Rich Hill's on the waiver wire. Are you going after those guys? Those guys, they have a chance. They can go five innings, but are they going to get you a win? Are they going to hurt your ERA and WHIP? Are they worth your last few Fab dollars? And 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 when you can spend it on, let's say, if Bruce Dargraderall, he's a lower down reliever, but he's a middle reliever. He pitches in high leverage situations and can vulture your win, vulture your save. I think you know sometimes you can spend your Fab in a better way. Instead of saying, you know what, he's a two-star pitcher, let me just go grab him. Don't think, you shouldn't really think like that because it may backfire. So uh, it is a question in terms of chasing wins down the stretch. I mean, I remember even just a couple years ago that, oh, you know, you're close in wins. Let's scoop up all the two-star pitchers or good matchups. I don't know if that's the case right now. I mean, pitchers, especially, uh, you know, younger guys or guys coming back from an injury or whatever, they're not going the five innings, or they're barely going the five innings, and it's it's hard to even to even go after those wins, right? It's you know you thinking you're getting extra starts, but you're actually not getting extra win opportunities. Is it even worth chasing them? I mean, I guess if you know if you've got seventy three wins and you've got three teams at seventy four, you know, and that's a couple of points in the standings, I guess. But I think that the 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 drawing line in terms of whether it's worth it to try it is much, much lower today. Do you agree? 100%. If you look at the last five guys on, on your on the two-star pitcher list and most people this coming week, their ERAs are ungodly. You would not think of rostering them mid-June, July, May, April. You would The whole season you would think of, but now you are because you're desperate for wins. You know, there's being desperate and there's being not smart. Being smart means you're better off getting a one-star pitcher who you think has a better chance of getting a win than just throwing out those two-star pitchers. Unless you don't care about your ear and whip like a couple years ago. We didn't care about that. We just threw starter after starter. But again, that was before. And nowadays, starters don't go as long as they used to. And they're really not worth it. I mean, you have to be smart about it. It's Your whole season is coming down to the, hypothetically coming down to the last three weeks of the season. Do you really want your season based on how, you know, I'm just going to give an example, uh, Jake Junis does on a two-star week, or if you, you pick up Tuki Toussaint as a two-star, I, I, you don't want to lose your league because you're throwing those guys late in the year. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. you got to be a little bit more careful. 
let's talk about some of the actual process of what to do and how to handle your team in the last two weeks. And um, the one rule that you need to remember is that FAB does not carry into next year. It's user to lose it. So whatever dollar you mount, amount you have for the last two weeks, plan to spend all of it, right? Uh, let's say you've got 50 out of 1,000 left. How are you splitting that up in the last two weeks? Are you going 40 and 10, uh, assuming that there's $0 bids? Are you doing 25 and 25? I mean, I guess it depends on who's available, but how are you – usually what happens for you? Well, first thing, you got to take a look at how much fab the people around you have also because you have to base it on that. If you think that you can get away with $1 bids and still get – who you want the last week of the season, then you can keep five bucks in your pocket and, and do those, you know, pickups the last week of the season. That's not a problem. And you can actually spend the $45 over the course of the next two weeks. There's no problem with that. But if other teams around you have the hammer or they have just, or you have the same amount, do you want to risk getting those players now? Do you want to be locked out of those guys now? I, I think it's very, very important to know where you need backups in your lineup who you need to have just in case they people or players get injured just in case you need to uh, want to get more people who have more playing time you have to use your fab wisely to the to the extent where you don't waste it and you don't leave any on the table yeah in terms of the actual dollar bid you do need to look at who has the fab dollars who you know what what is their maximum if you've got 50 and the teams have 20, you know that they can't win a player for over 20, right? So if there's a player that you absolutely need, the bid is $21, right? Or the bid is 20 exactly if you think there's a tiebreaker needed, right? Uh, you want to bid the right amount for that. If you think that they've got way more than you, um, you probably don't are not going to get the player. Just throw the 2 or $3 in and save the rest for a different week or save the rest for a secondary pick or split it up a little bit more indifferently, uh, a little bit more evenly, I should say, over, over everybody. Uh, in general, again, you know, it, of course it depends on your situation, but remember, whoever you have, especially for hitters, is going to have an effect over two weeks if you have two weeks to go versus one week. So theoretically, it should be worth twice as much. Pitchers, of course, is matchup dependent, but remember – that last week of the season, sometimes those pitchers don't even make that last start. So this week, the second to last week, is the one where you should throw more of the money for sure. Uh, and do watch what your other uh, league mates have because that's really the way to do it. The other thing that, Ruven, we always remind each other of, the very, very last fab period, the very, very last, where you're not saving any fab and you know who you're going to start, you could throw away anybody in your team, literally anybody. What you do need to make sure is your roster, in a redraft league, of course, I'm talking, has to have enough backup so that even if you have your roster set Sunday night, if your fab is Sunday, there could be a DL, an IL, I should say, heading into Monday. You want to make sure that there's a backup always. If you've got a, a league that has two different lineup periods, you make sure that there's tons of backups. In fact, catcher. I know why do you have to carry two – if you're in a one-catcher league, why do you have to carry a second catcher? But that last week in the season, why not? You know, you, you, you're not going to – you're not playing some, uh, you know, ninth starter on your team. You know he's not going to get into your lineup. Just drop him for a catcher or drop him for a, a multi-eligible position player just so you can get uh, – if, if you need it in that very last day, a replacement at every position no matter what. 
And speaking of the replacements, another thing we always talk about, or at least I always bring up to remind you, is you have to see which teams may actually play a 163rd game. That can happen, and that could make a difference. So you're probably better off getting a team, getting up, picking up a player on a roster that may be in that situation, as opposed to picking up someone on the Athletics who may get more playing time, just because you may get that extra game. You never know what's going to happen. Because I know there was one league that that we did that um, it came down literally to the last 163rd game, and it does happen. And having those extra guys on your team who have the opportunity to have that to play them for those for that day makes a huge difference yeah you know it's so funny i remember a couple years where gary sheffield of all people made it to the last weekend we always think of gary sheffield as a home run hitter but he stole bases he would regularly steal bases and he would steal them in september and i remember thinking i'm like you know i'm gonna pick up gary he's gonna steal some bases sure enough he stole a couple bases, and I don't think I won the league, but I believe I moved up a spot and won a little bit more money because I did that. So, yes, that is a good point. Sometimes you get lucky and catch that, and it's always about playing time, right? If you got eight games versus seven, you know, every game counts and matters. All right, let's do some waiver wire and uh, pitcher preview, get you a couple of names. Ruvain, there's a couple of hitters that you would like to pick up this week. Well, I'm actually going to go outfield heavy here because – it just seems when you're looking at the outfield waiver wire, you never really find anyone, but I'm going to throw some names out there for you to noodle on. First guy I'm going to mention is Akil Badu. He's only owned in 4% of leagues in CBS, but in the last week, he's only had 13 at-bats, but three stolen bases and batting 308. He may get some more playing time right now. Riley Green's on the IL. He may get some more playing time. He is, a, he is in a platoon right now. He does sit against lefties for a lot of for a lot of games. So look at matchups. You may be able to pick him up, get some stolen bases if you need that. Mark Canna. Mark Canna is very streaky in this past week. He's streaking in a good way. He's batting 450 with Homer and four RBIs, and even he has a stolen and even has a stolen base. He's a guy that he's getting more and more playing time. Um, and it, listen, the Brewers traded for him. They're going to play him. They think he's a, a slight defensive upgrade for what they have. If he's going to play, he's going to get some playing time. He should be. He, he's available in most leagues. Jesus. Sanchez of the Marlins, only owned in 11% of leagues, but he's batting 450 with two homers and five RBIs in the last week. And now with Jorge Soler out, he's going to get even more playing time. And because he's hitting, Marlins are in the playoff race. He's a guy who they're going to keep in the lineup as long as he's hot because he can carry the Marlins for a week or two at a time, and he can help you in your in your playoff race down the stretch as well. And one more guy I want to mention is Ramon Laureano of Cleveland, also in a playoff race, sort of, kind of. I guess Cleveland tried, tried to push in when they uh, – when they watch McCall when they traded for all those players at the end at the at the waiver at their own waiver wire, um, in the last couple of weeks in those last 50 at bats he's batting 300 with a couple of home runs, seven runs scored. He's getting on base. He's playing almost every day and he's only owning 26 percent of leagues. He normally does steal. He hasn't stolen any bases the last couple of weeks, but he is a threat to steal. So if you need those steals, he's the guy to get. Yeah, I'll give you my guys. Well, I had Mark Canna on my list. Past three weeks, 371 batting average, three homers, 10 runs, 14 RBIs, a stolen base. He's not a guy for a shallow league. He's a guy for a deeper league. And if you're chasing a certain category, he's not your guy. There's no one category that, wow, you need this, uh, get Mark Canna. Uh, unless it's like OBP. He's very good in OBP if you're in OBP league. But he is a value 
He's a guy who has a little bit in each. He won't send you spiraling down in any category. So if you're looking for a guy just to bank some stats, let's say some out your fifth outfielder is injured in a 15-team league, pick up Mark Canna. He would be a guy that could fortify stats and just keep the ball rolling. I'll give you a couple of other guys. Nelson Velasquez, very streaky. He's at it again. He's heating up. In the past month, nine homers. That's a lot for a month, guys. 17 RBI, 16 runs. He's homered in each of his last three games. Yeah, Nelson Velasquez is a definitely a guy that he's very interesting to pick up. How about Hunter Goodman? I think he, we, he was mentioned on a show, uh, one of our shows last couple weeks. 20% owned. He's got seven games at Colorado this coming week. Seven games. And he's batting 323 so far since coming up. That sounds like a good play. And how about Luis Rangifo? I, we, I spoke just about the multi-position eligible players. Rangifo is eligible at second, third, short, outfield. I just picked him up in labor last week. 16 homers on the year with six stolen bases, batting 264. You can do a lot worse. In his last two weeks, he's got five homers, batting 446 with 14 RBIs. And he's batting at the top of the lineup, somewhere like around the three spot. They're shuffling him around a little bit, uh, but he's somewhere in the top. Let's see if Otani can come back, give it a little bit of a boost there. But uh, Rengifo is interesting. Um, yeah, that's who I got. Uh, anyone else? Or uh, We've covered a lot. I I, th- I think that's a lot, and I think when you pick up players, also look at their playing time. Don't just look at the average. Don't just look at the home runs and RBIs. Look at how many at-bats they have, because if the sample size is very small, let's say I, I mentioned Akil Badu, he only has 13 at-bats, but it's productive at-bats. If you have a guy, let's say you want a guy for stolen bases, if he doesn't have at-bats, are they putting him in as a pinch runner? Do a little deep dive and try to get that extra jewel that's out there. Yeah, we say this a lot during the season, but it really applies at the very end for this. In your settings, if you're looking at the waiver wire and it gives year-to-date stats, switch it to last 14 days and sort by at-bats. See guys who are actually getting at-bats or sort by runs who are actually getting on and scoring. Uh, Those are the stuff that you want to pick up in the final days. It's at-bats, at-bats. Playing time is king, as we like to say. All right, pitcher preview, who is a pitcher or two that you might want to start. Um, Now, you might be looking not just at this week's matchups. You might also be looking at next week's matchups because they're going to cost money next week if they have a good matchup. So you might as well get them now for free, even if they ride your bench for a week. Yep. And I think two guys that you should look for, even though I don't like any of the two-star pitchers that are out there this week. I don't like any of them. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't think they're worth rostering. I don't think they're worth the risk to get the wins. So I'm going to mention two guys who are coming back from injury. I think we've mentioned them before, but if they're still available in your league, get them. First one is John Means. I mentioned him, I believe, even last week. He's only 34% on the CBS right now. They said they're not sure of his role. He could start, could go into the bullpen. But there are two other lefties in that bullpen. He's not going to close. He's not. He doesn't have closer material, even though um, Batista's out. He's not going to close. They're not going to put him as closer, but he has been a starter his whole career. The Orioles, they may want to see what they have with him for the playoffs 
because they're going to make the playoffs. They may want to see what they have with them, and they're going to probably put him as a starter. So he's been pitching very well in his rehab assignment. So he's a guy, if he's available, definitely look to pick up. You can put it on, put him on your bench for another injured guy if you if you think another guy's not coming back to hold on to because he may come back as soon as this week. That's something to watch for. Same with Walker Bueller. He's right now he's only 62% on in CBS, which means 40% of leagues have Walker Bueller available. The Dodgers said he's going to come back as a starter, not a reliever, which means he is going to start. And look what's going on in the Dodgers' starting rotation. They got a lot of issues. Um, uh, um, Clayton Kershaw is playing through pain. We Everyone knows what's going on with Julio Urias. He's, he's out. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's going on, and they actually may need Bueller come playoff time. He's been pitching well. He's been building up in the minors so far. He is almost ready. He's like one or two rehab starts away, so he may help you the last two weeks of the season. So if he's available, there's no reason to spend a, a buck or two if, if you want to do that and have him on your roster just in case. That's so interesting that you mentioned all the injury returnees over here. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the other guys who are out there, I have really no interest. And I always, always, when I'm looking at free agents, I always click on the injured guys first. I want to see who's coming back or who's to, who I think is coming back sooner than people think and go that way. And, you know, there's very little risk in in dropping a guy who you're not going to play anyway and picking up another guy a week or two in advance instead of having to pay more money on Faber for him. Yeah, you don't find it risky to play injury guys, though, right away on the pitching side? High-level guys like the oh, well, not not John Means as much, but Walker Bueller. I don't think that's an issue. I mean, how much you know, how much you're going to get out of them? Like I mentioned, um, Clayton Kershaw is playing through injury, so he's not the Clayton Kershaw that you would normally get. So he's a guy that I wouldn't necessarily play just because you don't know how many innings he's going to go. But a guy coming back, they've been away for a full year, and they already had five, six, seven starts in the minors already this year. I don't have any issue. They're going to go at least five innings, I would think, five, six innings, and they may give you a better chance of wins than other guys on the waiver wire. Interesting. Well, I'm gonna my guys that I put together are more guys that are on the waiver wire with multiple starts or with good matchups or future two starts. So here's what I got. Jose Quintana on the Mets. Uh, he's up to 45% rostered on CBS. Two-start versus Arizona versus Cincinnati. He looked good this year. Um... His ERA is a little bit of a mirage because his homer to fly ball rate is only at 1.7%. Strikeout rate is very pedestrian at 18% and 10% walk rate. So uh, even though you have a three ERA, he's not nearly as good as he's pitched, but he's still been effective. And, you know, you never know. Two games at home, pitcher's ballpark, you never know. I mean, the Mets need some innings, so, you know, he might be the guy. Uh, Jordan Wicks. At Colorado, at Arizona, and then versus Colorado the following week, uh, he's been he's been pitching well. Uh, two sixteen ERA, thirteen Ks in sixteen innings pitched over his last three games. Um, I like the versus Colorado next week matchup. So you could use him for the two start this week. I like that start next week. So I would pick him up for that. Uh, Zach Davies, this is for deeper six percent owned at the Mets versus Chicago. Strikeout rate is decent. So if you're looking to get strikeouts, again, it depends what category you're getting. He's going to accumulate a nice amount of strikeouts in that stretch. And Arizona is, you know, somewhat in the thick of things. So uh, that's interesting. Um, I, I, reserve, I, I had reservations about saying this guy, Tuki Toussaint, and so far I've been passing him over. But he's versus KC versus Minnesota. Last three outings, 16 strikeouts and 16 innings with a 276 ERA. Uh, you know, 
caution with a blow up, but if you're desperate for wins, might be interesting. Uh, I'll, here's another couple. Ben Lively, he had that terrible, terrible outing right before he got injured. Ignore it. Otherwise, he's actually been decent. He's at Detroit and at the Mets. And the following week, he's versus Pittsburgh. So if you need a guy with a couple of decent starts over the next couple of weeks, could be your guy. Uh, and here's one more guy, uh, Javier Assad. He is a future two-star pitcher. He is at Colorado this week. I don't know if you want that, but the fuck he's versus Pittsburgh versus Colorado. I like that to start matchup. He on the year so far, two six nine ERA, one eighteen WHIP. So all the guys I'm mentioning have been relatively good over the last couple of starts. I'm not going to give you guys who have just totally stink. Uh, again, these guys are all caution. There's nobody that I love, love, love. But for the right categories, for the right team, and if you need someone to pick up in advance, those are a couple of options for you. Now, I do see, I hear all those guys, and those guys are decent options. Not great options, but decent options. But again, you have to be aware that these guys are bottom, close to bottom of the barrel starters to begin with. And what I want, what I'm curious, Ari, you asked me why I mentioned the injury guys. You know something? We haven't mentioned any of the rookies who were called up to pick up. We didn't mention Mason Wynn. We didn't mention Jordan Lawler. Are you against picking up rookies at this time of year and just go with the known commodities, or are you willing to do that? On the pitching side, yeah, I'm against it because uh, why are they up right now? They're just filling in a cup of coffee. They're not going to last long, or you never know. On the pitching side, I mean, that's just some somebody who can just crush my ERA. On the hitting side, I'm definitely looking. Uh, like, you know, guy we mentioned, Jason Dominguez, the Bar- the Martian, as they call him. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that guy is – is that could have a, an immediate impact they want to test out. Uh, the hitters have less downside. The pitchers, they've got a lot of downside. So I'm very cautious about, about doing that. I don't think there's much upside to gain. You know, if there were, they would have been up a little bit earlier than now. So then if you're putting in a bid, I would think that you're putting in higher bids for the rookie hitters as opposed to these lower pitchers, correct? I'm not putting in bids for the rookie pitchers. Um, and for the hitters, yeah, you're going to have to bid a lot. To, I mean, it's going to be a high percentage of your fab. Odds are whoever has the most fab is going to get him. So it may not be like a strategy of, oh, if I bid this. like Either you have the money or not. You know, Jason Dominguez, you have some guy who just never used fab all year. <laughs> Here you go. He, so you you can be in in 10th place out of 12 and you've got the fab and you're out of it but well what the hell here's let's get Jason Dominguez for 10% of my fab there you go um you know i i think it's it's not a matter of 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 the right strategy it's whether you could or not okay all right up to injury report and uh last one of the regular season what's going on well i'm not going to mention particular guys i'm going to detail with them for the last couple of weeks of the season, I'm going to give you a couple of lists. I'm going to give you the list of the players who are done for the season, and they're, you can drop, don't don't think about it. They're guys who are iffy for the rest of the season and guys who should come back, so guys you should still hold on to or even pick up if they're available. First guy I'm going to mention, uh, first list I'm going to mention are guys who are done for the year. I mentioned Jorge Soler. He's done for the year. Uh, um, um, Sandy Alcantara, he's done for the year. If you're still rostering Anthony Rizzo, he's also done for the year. Carlos Carrasco had a dumbbell dropped on his hand and broke his finger. He's done for the year. Andrew McCunchen is also done. He has a partial tear in his Achilles. He's done for the year, but he said he's going to try to play next year. Gary Sanchez has a fractured wrist. He's done for the year. 
You can drop him. Danny Sanchez, Danny Jansen has a fractured finger. He's getting he's getting seen by a hand specialist. They didn't say he was done for the year, but if he's getting seen by a hand specialist, he's not coming back anytime soon. Matt Manning broke his foot again. He's done for the year. Graham Ashcraft, he has a stress reaction. He's done for the year. Michael Soroka can't stay healthy. He's done for the year. And Jason Adam is a pitcher, relief pitcher, who actually had another, he had an oblique injury, a side injury. Pitchers take a little bit longer to come back, so I can say that he's basically pretty much done for the year. The guys who are iffy to come back, Mike Trout, he said he wants to come back. Whether the Angels allow him, that's a good question. Same with Otani. Otani seemed like he was he was running in the feet. He was running before the game uh, today and the yesterday. He's moving around. Looks like he's trying to play through it. That he will try to play unless the Angels say no, and the Angels don't really have much say about it. I think his agent will let him know what to do. Patrick Bailey is on a concussion list. Um, he's iffy to come back. Joey Bart was called up. He wanted another catcher and it takes on. That's fine. Riley Green, he's slowly rehabbing an, an elbow issue. He should be back. Marcus Stroman will be back, but I don't know if he's going to be stretched out as a full starter. So I don't know if he's going to get four, five, even six innings when he comes back just because he may not have the time to build up that strength. And Felix Batista, he's, he's very iffy to come back. I'd actually put him closer to the done for the season because you haven't heard anything from him, and I think they're keeping mum on it for now. I think they know what's going on, but they don't want to say anything yet, so I think that's the issue with him. And guys who should come back, Bo Bichette. He's already doing wind sprints. He's going to come back. He's coming back from uh, from only a muscular injury. Byron Buxton is going to come back, but probably as a DH only. He actually had his rehab paused for a little bit, and now he's back on it, and we'll see. He'll probably just be a DH. Joey Votto looks like he will come back if you want to look in deeper leagues. I mentioned Walker Bueller. Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright. He's going to be back. The, Raves, the Braves want to see what they have with him. He's going to be back activated either next week or the week after. Um, he said his re- he already said his rehab is done. It's up to the Braves to do what they want to do. Adolis Garcia has a knee injury. He has a patellar tendon strain. He's on the IL. They said he's going to come back. I'm not too sure. I'm not 100% sure. So he's a guy you may want to you know, hear more info about him, what's going on, before you actually drop him. And a guy who you mentioned, who I said I, wouldn't, I didn't think he was going to come back, but I think he will come back, and that's Edwin Diaz. I think he will come back. He's trending toward that way. I think he wants to pitch maybe the last two weeks of the season. I think it's going to come down to that. Will he close? I don't know because I don't know if the Mets want to put him into that situation. But, I mean, I can't see Edwin Diaz coming in the eighth inning. I don't know about you. Yeah, that's not going to happen for the Mets. It's not. Question, and not, we're not doing trivia today, but uh, can you – Byron Buxton, by the way, has had his second most healthiest season since 2017. All right, last year he had 382 plate appearances. This year he was almost second healthiest – 347 plate appearances. <laughs> you know what his stat line is? You know what his uh, homer, stolen bases, and batting average was this year? Um, I th- I know he wasn't hitting for average, but I still think his homer, I think it was like, what, 15 and 10 or close, something like that. Yeah, pretty good, actually. 17 homers, 9 stolen bases, which is a lot for him. He stopped running, but he did run a little bit. Batting average, 207. Yikes. I mean, uh, what is Byron Buxton's value in? Is he going to be drafted high up next year? or is I mean, this guy should be drafted really low. 
No, he he's he's gonna be drafted lower. I think. Well, here's a good question: Who do you draft higher, him or Starling Marte? Starling Marte is gonna have probably have another surgery in the offseason. You get him for stolen bases. He gave you some of that this year, but his batting average wasn't there either. So, I mean, going into next year, I think I may want Buxton more than Marte because I don't know how much Marte is gonna play. Um, I think they may go. Dra- I think they may get drafted around the same area in the draft. That's what I think. Yeah. Starling Marte is the number 359th highest value player, according to the Razzle Player Raider, at negative $1 this year. Buxton actually is just a touch higher. Uh, he's still low down. He's at 306 worth a dollar. So, yeah, they're probably same range. I mean, Buxton, though, to me, has not as good as profile because, I mean, I know he's still nine bases, but probably going to be less. Um, it's just a, a power guy with a crap average. Stolly Marte, though, has, uh, you know, a little bit better batting average. Uh, I, I know he wasn't as good as last year. Well, let me look it up. He uh, His batting average this year, uh, 248, but it's not 200. I mean, 200, you're playing Buxton. 200 kills your average. I mean, that's that's bad, and, and that, that doesn't seem unnatural. Like, that that is who he is. His strikeout rate is over 30%. It's creeping up. It's just not a good situation. Um, yeah, that that fizzled out pretty quickly. But then you also have to factor in their ages. Uh, Starling Marte is going to be 35, I think, and That's Buxton true. is actually turning 30 next year. So they're both on the wrong side of 30. Marte has shown that he's been able to steal still, even with the problem that he had. And I, I think that the Mets may have a better lineup a little bit than the Twins next year. Um, I, I don't know what the Twins are planning on doing because they're, you know, they're they're pretty decent teams. So they may make another splash, like a like a, like another um, uh, shortstop to, to, who's injured, who's not going to make it through the full season. Also next year, I'm not saying anything about Carlos Correa, but you never know. Um, I, I it's a matter of the lineup, I guess they're in, and, and you have to see during spring training how they're playing, if they're running at full speed, if they're saying they're having any sorters to begin with. But I think those are two guys that if you want a fourth outfielder a fifth outfielder i think that's the range they're going in yeah carl's career worth three dollars three dollars this year 17 homers 230 average thank god the mets didn't uh sign him long term i mean that is just just a bust of a profile i never liked him from a from a stats point of view i i think totally overrated every year he had a good season in 2022 batting 290 22 homers but He's uh, and he hasn't been very very injured. I mean, he's putting up so far about 550 plate appearances. And that's not bad. And I I think the San Francisco Giants are happy they didn't sign him either. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and Twins will be a playoff team, so I guess they did it right. I guess. I guess I, they they went for it this year. They're gonna. I mean, that division is so bad. They just go just that little bit extra than what they had there before can make the difference. So that's why they did it. All right, so that's the story. Uh, Ruvain, it's been a great regular season for you. Uh, what's going on with you? Well, you can continue to follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru. Where I'll continue to tweet the injury updates as they come. I'll do me doing them in the off season as well. I still have a couple more weeks of my Roto Bowler in year during the season article that comes out every week to help you with your fab pickups. And if you have any questions about injured players during the course of the season, and even if you want to talk a little bit about football injuries, I can talk about that just a little bit if you really want to. You can just DM me on on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, and I'll give you my best medical opinion. All right, I'm Ariel Cohen over at Fangraphs, over at Rotoballer. 
ATC projections. There's going to be one more rates update. Uh, it's going to be early next week, and that'll be the end of the update for the season. The playing time will keep going, of course, to the end of the season. So uh, ATC will update overnight, but the rates will have a little bit of a bump uh, in, in next week. Uh, and that's the story. Uh, wishing you a lot of success uh, down the stretch. We hope that uh, that you know our advice has happened. I've already got a couple of different tweets. Uh, it's not a tweets. What are they called now? Posts, reposts, They're DMs. Called posts, posts, and reposts. I guess I, I don't. I don't know I the don't true know. terminology for it. I'm gonna say tweet because that's what it is. But people have uh, messaged me uh, and said, you know, thank you so much. Your show has been great. The projections have been great. So I, I hope uh, the rest of you. Uh, Find success and uh, hope that we have helped you over the course of the year. Start with the preseason and all that. We'll be back after the regular season to recap um, and and look toward 2024. Um, and so uh, we're excited for that. Ruben and I will be down in Arizona. If you want to catch Baseball HQ's first pitch, Arizona, you definitely should come to that. Fantastic program there. We'll both be down I think we'll be doing a podcast again live. That would be awesome. It's always a great time. It's a great show. Uh, and, of course, they've got tons of other panels there and games. Uh, and there's even drafts there. I mean, they, they've got it all. It's a whole weekend of fun. So hopefully you can join us there. Um, and that's it. Anything else to wrap up the season, Ruben? Nope. I hope we were able to help everyone. I hope my injury reports help people manage their roster more efficiently because that's the idea. You got to make sure you know who you, who to hold and who to drop. And that's very important. I mean, I follow my own, I follow my own advice. If you look at my waiver wire pickups, they're the same waiver wire pickups. I, a lot of them I mentioned on this show. I know you do the same. So, you know, we, we practice what we preach and we hope we were healthy. We were able to help you during the course of the season. Yeah. You know, one thing to note, and I, Somebody once asked me this, but like, do you guys actually listen to your own advice? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just telling you what we do, and you know, all of the things that we're considering, you know, we, we do it. You know, this is our own own stuff. I, I consider myself um, a fantasy player first, then analyst. You know, it's 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 about the winning, it's about the playing, it's about the strategy and the game theory of doing it. So I, I I'm first that and second analyst. Uh, I'm I'm just reporting what I do, and uh, hopefully that that helps uh, other people. Yep, I agree. I mean, it, it helped us this year. I I think all our teams are so far in the money right now. So you know, following our own advice seems to be working. So hopefully you followed it to a certain extent as well, and hope we were able to help you. Absolutely. All right, that's it for us here. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Good luck in the rest of your weeks, and until next time, we'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.